Aloha, this is Jason from Hawaii. Welcome to a special edition of the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. In this episode, I will be interviewing Ivy Noel Weir, writer, and Kelly Williams, artist. They are the creative team of Bountiful Gardens from Mad Cave Studios. Issue one and two are out in stores. Matter of fact, I think issue two is out, came out a couple of weeks ago, I think, if I remember correctly. Issue three comes out on November 17th, and the diamond code for that is SEP as in Paul 211631. So, Ivy and Kelly, how are you guys doing today? Good. Thanks mm -hmm. for having me. Oh, thank you. Kelly, how are you doing? Uh, good. Thanks for having me. No, thank you guys. <laughs> now, before I before we start getting into the interview, you know, I really want to thank Ivy and Kelly for their patience. You know, um, we were supposed to have done this interview at the beginning of August. And at the time, there was like a technical glitch. And the technical glitch was me because day of that interview, I hit the wrong button on my computer. <laughs> so, yeah, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> um, but here we are. So, you know, again, Ivy and Kelly, you know, mahalo. Thank you in Hawaiian for all your patience and putting up with me, bugging you to do this interview. So thank you very much. Of course. It is not a problem. No, thank yeah. you. Okay, so I'm going to go over, um, Ivy, I'm going to go over a little bit of your, um, your background history. So Ivy, correct me if I'm wrong. You know, um, you, are, you, are you a librarian? Is that correct? I am. I'm a librarian by training. Okay. Uh, I have my master's in library science, and that's what I do for my day job. Oh, okay. That, that is pretty cool. Um, because I, at one point, I was toying around with becoming a librarian. And then when I found out I needed my master's, I said, oh, forget that. You know? <laughs> at, that time, at that time, I was very young and stupid. <laughs> I should have done that. <laughs> I should have gone for my master's in librarian. Okay. And then also to recently, you wrote a short story in Deadbeats Volume 1. Now, Deadbeats is a music horror anthology from A Wave Blue World. And the story that you wrote in there is Beyond Her Years. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah, I did that with, uh, with Steens, um, mm -hmm. who I also did Archival Quality with. So it was cool to get to do another story together. That's pretty cool. That's a nice segue because your next work that you did was Archival Qualities um, from Oni Press. And then in 2019, you won the Dwayne McDuffie Award for Diversity in Comics. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. Okay. That was like, that's been like the honor of my career <laughs> thus far. It's been pretty cool. <laughs> nice. You also have done work. Um, you've, your other works were pr Princeless? Girls Rock from Action Lab. And then you've won a couple of awards. Um, the 2019 Publisher Weekly Star Watch Honoree. And in 2015, the American Library Association Emerging Leaders. Uh, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's, okay. It's, it makes me sound impressive. But <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, it's, it's all correct. It's just to give... Um, the listeners, a little bit of background, too, for you guys. And then, Kelly, I'm going to go over your background. And like I said, correct me if I'm wrong, too. Now, again, Kelly, um, you have actually, and it just came out, Deadbeats London Calling. You did a short story. Um, it's called The Plot Against Thanksgiving. You've done the artwork, and the writer was, um, it is William Messner-Lobes, correct? That is correct, yes. That's pretty awesome because I remember, now correct me if I'm wrong, because I remember, I never, I'm going to be honest, I, I was kind of a bad comic book fan. I don't remember reading any of his works, but he did work, did he do work on um, Wonder Woman and Thor? I can't remember. I know he uh, I, I think so. I, uh, he, I mean, you know, he's done a ton of like Marvel and DC stuff. Yeah. So, you know, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was pretty awesome to to get to to draw a story. I mean, it's mm -hmm. not like I, it's not like we were working together. Yeah, <laughs> no, but, no, that's pretty cool. And then also, too, your other works include a letter to Joe, and that's a historical military romance drama from Top Shelf. Um, <laughs> that is correct. This nightmare kills fascists, and it's a horror anthology from A Wave Blue World. 
Um, and you also did the cabinet from Source Point Press. And that matter of fact, I, I, if, I think that's probably out in trade. I got to pick that up because that sounds pretty cool. It is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was just a graphic novel. Yeah. We did it on Kickstarter and uh, a couple of years later, Source mm-hmm. Point picked up. Oh, that's pretty cool. But yeah, I, I've got to check that out. And also you did meta, meta phase from Alterna Comics and you also have done um, work for Eerie and Creepy. Did I yeah. miss any, between Ivy and Kelly, did I miss anything? No, I, uh, I don't think so. I have, I have a lot of work, so, you know. <laughs> did, anything else you want to add or anything, Kelly? Oh, no, you're, you're good. Okay. You hit, oh. the, you hit the good stuff. Okay. All right. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> okay. Now, now, we're slowly getting to the interview, but, you know, before we really get dive into the interview, I want to give a big shout-out to Allison Marie Pond, the marketing director of Mad Cave Studios, for help setting up this interview and, you know, providing me an advanced copy of Bountiful Garden. And also, too, I also want to say, Ivy, thank you very much for reaching out. Um, I... I through though through your um, website, I sent an email to you, a contact email, and it was really nice of you to respond back, going, "Hey, yes, let's do an interview. Let's include yeah. Kelly too." So thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, totally. You know, of course. Yeah, because I, I, yeah, that was pretty cool. Just thank you very much. Okay, now, <clears throat> uh, you know, where can listeners follow you on social media? Ivy, I'll uh, let you I'm. Mm-hmm. I'm on pretty much every platform at Ivy Noel, I-V-Y-N-O-E-L-L-E. Um, or my website is ivynoelweird.com. It's all pretty straightforward for me. <laughs> all right. And then Kelly? Uh, pretty much the same. Uh, I'm on most of your social media stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's mostly uh, at Treebeard, which mm-hmm. is T R E E B. E-E-R-D. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, add a Y to that on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Street Beardy. And uh, m- my website is uh, Tree Beard Stuff. Mm-hmm. So. Now, mm-hmm. <laughs> now, Kelly, I want to ask you your um, Twitter handle. All right. Or your, it says Nacho Man Sandy Carriage. Where did that come from? It's, uh, I just made a really stupid joke to my wife who, you know, loves me, but, uh, you know, she can only handle so much <laughs> in a day. So, uh, but I was horribly entertained at myself and was like, I'm going to change my name to that on Twitter. And I did. And it, uh, you know, I don't know. It's kind of just stuck. I, I almost feel like I can't change it now. <laughs> and then one more thing I want to add. Your profile picture. The hot dog costume. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I was at a uh, hot dog place in St. Louis. And um, uh, they had hot dog costumes. Uh just hanging, you know, on coat racks. I just asked if I could put it on. And uh, I, I feel like the point was so, like, maybe kids could take pictures dressed like hot. I mean, I guess. Yeah. And uh, so I put it on, and, uh, yeah, I got a picture of me uh, eating a hot dog. A veggie dog. Okay. Just so, <laughs> just so we're clear. All right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Now, I'm going to add one more. I'm sorry. I forgot to write this down, but. Now, I follow you on Twitter. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't you buy your own hot dog costume within the last two months? <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> I, I indeed bought it. I, I realized, you know, I'm going to start doing conventions again soon. Mm-hmm. And uh, this whole thing kind of came to be... I started using that picture for everything, at, you know, in the middle of the pandemic and everything. Mm-hmm. So I thought it might be, you know, nobody's going to recognize me if I'm, if I'm not dressed like a hot dog. <laughs> That's, <so. laughs> That's your brand now. 
I'm very good at branding myself with things that I kind of just get stuck with. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Um, um, later, when we're starting to wrap things up, I'll ask you about your convention appearance. And I definitely ask if you're going to be wearing a hot dog costume, your hot dog, or cosplay as a, a veggie dog, I should say. <laughs> yeah, I'm made of meat, so. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. So I'm going to um, ask, um, I'm going to start um, this question. Where did you guys grow up? So I'm going to start with you, Kelly. I'm going to start with you first. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> I, I, I guess this is, uh, admitting this is a new thing for me. So I, I, I guess I largely grew up in Arkansas. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I moved here when I was pretty young and I moved, uh, you know, in and out a few times, but I probably spent the largest portion of my time growing up in Arkansas, which okay. is as awful as it sounds. Um, Ivy, where did you grow up? Uh, I'm from Philadelphia. Uh -huh. um, I grew up outside Philadelphia. So, and that's, that is largely where I have remained. <laughs> I live in Boston now, but we're moving back to Philadelphia. So <laughs> there's no escape. <laughs> All right. And then um, Ivy, I'm going to start with you first. Um, what was or what was or were your first comics that you read? So I was really lucky because I had um, a parent who was really into comics. My mom was super into comics mm -hmm. um, and she made her own comics and she was fairly involved in the, the DIY comic scene in Philly. So um, I grew up like, obviously I also read like uh, the Archie double digest and stuff mm -hmm. from the grocery store and I really liked them, but she was also giving me like love and rockets and, mm -hmm. uh, the more of a set swamp thing yeah. and um, like Claremont era X-Men. So those are the ones I remember reading when I was really young and, mm -hmm. and really liking. Oh, okay. And then Kelly, what about you? What was, what was your first or what were your first comics that you read? Uh, largely for me, it was, um, you know, the first one that really impacted me, I guess, would be like Swamp Thing, the, the rights and ween stuff and yes. like uh but also like um like uh you know tells from the crypt and uh vault of horror and stuff like ec comic reprints and stuff like mm -hmm. the things that like you know i'd go to the grocery store and they'd actually have them on the, the magazine stands and stuff yeah. and like uh and you know i had read some superhero comics mm -hmm. like off and on and all that but it was the horror stuff that I really got into and then later I uh I really got into just one day I just really got into like uh the X-Men and mm -hmm. like Daredevil or something and like so yeah th those are the ones that I remember just being mm -hmm. like my first comments now this is kind of off the cuff here so because Kelly now correct me if I'm wrong you start to read the um Ween writes in Swamp Thing. Ivy started to read the Alan Moore Swamp Thing. Have you guys like talked about the different like the differences from the 70s and 80s Swamp Thing? Nope. I think <laughs> no. I think for my mom she really liked the the art mm -hmm. in like the 80s Swamp Thing and like the yeah. very like kind of trippy aspect to it. Mm -hmm. So that was why that was what she was giving us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Because, yeah, because, because, yeah, I know it's some of, yeah, so, some of, yeah, it was, I remember reading at least a couple of issues of the Alan Moore Swamp thing. It, it was, yeah, it was a little interesting. <laughs> it's very got, weird. It's super wacky. weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it wasn't necessarily like appropriate for a seven year old to be reading, but I was. <laughs> but if I remember correctly, back then they still had the comic code, and if, and I don't think, the 80 Swamp Thing went to vert. I think there was a still a period that was being sold on the racks. It didn't, didn't go to vertical yet, if I remember correctly. Unless she gave you the vertical stuff. <laughs> Who knows? I still I mean, then, I think. I'm sorry? Yeah. 
Yeah, it was still DC. DC yeah, that. still okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, but Kelly, I but um going back to the um rights and swamp thing, I still remember that one issue with the patchwork man. I still love that hand with the head on top. Though that was the creepiest ones. Those are so creepy. I love those. It's great. Yeah. I uh and it was it was rights and that I like is the reason why I was into Swamp Thing. Like mm-hmm. and I, I mean I think I only ever had like two issues of the rights and stuff like when I was a kid, but I mean, you know, I probably read them like a million times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. All right. So um now Drew, the um co-host for Comics for Fun and Profit, he submitted this question. Do you guys remember what your first LCS was? I do. So um, it was a store in, I spent part of my childhood um, in Wilmington, Delaware, which is Mm -hmm. where my dad owned a restaurant. And so there was this store um, called Between Books. And it was um, like one of those great book and comic stores where you kind of feel like if you touch something everything's gonna fall over it was just like piles and piles and piles of like Mm -hmm. books and used books new books um but the proprietor greg he was a friend of my mom's he was super nice and he like was really into giving me and my brother comics and letting us read and hang out in the store and so i'll always always remember between books because it's really the place where i got started on this path Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Kelly, what about you? Uh, mine was a place called Books Plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, in the same town I'm in now. Uh, it, uh, they kind of, it, very much the same type of, you know, it felt like if you moved wrong, the whole place was going to fall down. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, and they, they sold, uh, like, they did video rentals as well. And mm-hmm. eventually they added, like, uh, antique books and uh, old leather-bound stuff. And uh, they, uh, the owner was a very strange fellow. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, uh, well, eventually I ended up working at this comic shop. And, uh, mm-hmm. like... Um, that all pretty much came to an end. The store closed after he was uh, went to prison for uh, murdering his uh, girlfriend and lawyer. Uh, it's it's a little crazy, yeah. but uh, <laughs> so. Um, but the uh, the manager, uh, the the person who I worked with, um, she actually owns the current comic shop here in town arkham comics okay so i i essentially still go to the same comic shop okay that i've got to say that's a very interesting story about you <laughs> yeah i i was like i don't know if i want to bring it up just because i feel like that i need to explain it you know i don't want to eat up all the time <laughs> it's a it's a it's a wacky story yes it is yeah yeah because it, yes, it is. I, I, I'm not being sarcastic, but seriously, Kelly, thank you for sharing that. It's, um, yeah, it's just that. That's pretty. That's pretty wild, you know. But it's pretty cool. But I'm gonna say, but I'm off the cuff here because I know because since you mentioned that you worked in a comic shop, um, how was that experience like? If you don't mind, I mean, not besides the strangeness and. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was, I mean, it was great. I, I was, uh, I mean, it was, I was a teenager, you know, and I mean, it was, it was like in the middle of the, the 90s comics boom. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, it was great to just be in that and everything. Yeah. And, and also, I suppose like I, I, I remember some aspects of uh, 90s comics different than people who maybe were just fans that didn't have to deal with the uh, uh when things changed and when things got a little crazy mm-hmm. uh, but like I, uh, I I worked there for a few years like mm-hmm. just for my books like I just go in and help out and yeah. get my comics but like eventually like I 
took over the management for a little while. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's times where I kind of wish I still, you know, still did it just because, I mean, you know, yeah, it's kind of cool working in a comic shop. It is. Yeah, it sounds fun. Especially if you're calling the shots and stuff. So, yeah. You know. And then, Ivy, I know that you have worked in a comic shop too. Is that correct? And, yes, I did as well. And then, can you, you're like, how was your, how was that experience? Was it fun? Was it pretty cool? Yeah. Um, so I worked in a comic book store uh, for about two years, right when I got out of college. And um, it opened a lot of doors for me. I met people who are still my closest friends. Um, Steens, our editor on this book, I met because we both belonged to an online group for comic book retailers. Um, I met my husband because I booked um, the events for the store and he was a nerdcore rapper who was coming through and needed a place to play. So it... Uh, <laughs> changed my life uh -huh. <laughs> but I guess I'm being totally honest but as you know like a comic book reader it was cool because you know I would read all the new issues and there's a sense of community you build up with your Wednesday regulars where you like you know I have also worked as a barista and it felt very similar like I would know everybody and I would know like okay well this is like their preference and uh -huh. you know oh, if you like this you should try this and... mm -hmm. oh that's pretty cool but uh, like I so Ivy and Ken, like I said, I'm not being sarcastic, but it's so cool that, you know, um, it's just so cool to hear your guys' takes on working at um, the comic store. It is. It's pretty nice. It really is. Um, now, Ivy, you already touched upon, you know, um, you know you, um, I'm going to start off with you on this. Um, how did your journey um, begin um, breaking into comics? So... Very roundabout. Um, I went to college um, for fine art. Uh, nothing to do with drawing, which is why I can't draw at all. Uh, I was a photography major. <laughs> um, and then um, I'd always liked writing. And the longer I was in art school, the more I was writing criticism. And it seemed like for a while I was going to be an art critic. Like that was the path I was on was to, to work in art criticism or to work in an art gallery or really the path I was on was to be the person who helps rich people buy art for their house, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, which I guess I'm really glad I'm not doing because it sounds like it'd be pretty miserable. But um, I, uh, I left school and I was so burnt out on the New York art world that I decided I wanted to like write something that had nothing to do with what I was doing. And so I um I had always written fiction. Mm -hmm. It always kind of been my dream to be a fiction writer. Mm -hmm. And um I started working on this story that was a novel. Mm -hmm. Uh and I was working at the comic book shop at the time. Mm -hmm. And I met Steens and I saw their art and I was like, I really love this person's art. And I really love comics. Mm -hmm. I wonder if they want to do a comic with me <laughs> so i basically uh reached out to steens and was like hey i have this idea i've been working on it as a novel and i would like to talk to you about perhaps if you would like to work on it as the comic with me this guy mm -hmm. um so thankfully they said yes mm -hmm. and we started working on what was supposed to be a web comic mm -hmm. And then Oni Press opened up their, they were doing a period where they were taking unagented submissions. Mm -hmm. And we were like, oh, well, we've got all this stuff done. We should just send it in. Kind of figured nothing would happen. But then they bought it. <laughs> so that was pretty much how I got started. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, it doesn't really, you know, when you break in with writing, they're like, it never happens on the first try. And so we were like, we'll just have a webcomic for a while and get used to it. And then next thing you know, we're doing 256 page graphic novel. <laughs> <it's done> before. <laughs> um, but that's, that's what kind of opened the door and, and got me working. And then I found that I really loved because I think I was a photography major and because I was so used to thinking visually mm -hmm. comics as a writer was something that was really exciting to me because I was like, this is great. This is like thinking visually and writing and working collaboratively and yes. just every part of it was something that, that resonated with me and that I loved. So I've stuck with it now for about 
uh, seven years. Mm-hmm. And then Kelly, what about you? How did you um, break into comics? Uh, I, I like always like for a very long time been doing like <clears throat> mini comics and zines, just you know, Xerox stuff is like how I started. So like like when I was working at the comic shop, I started making comics, and uh, you know I was. A long time ago, like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I think my first one was like fourteen or fifteen, something <laughs> like that, and that, uh, and I just did that for uh, a very long time, and and then you know, we, uh, I met my wife. We we had a kid when we were incredibly young. So my uh, my my ambitions of drawing comics or whatever uh, kind of went off for you know on a vacation for a few years mm-hmm. and uh but then uh later you know i came back around and uh started started doing it again and i uh i got laid off from my job because they got bought out and closed down mm-hmm. and i had just finished like my first graphic novel which was the cabinet and uh you know we had the kickstarter went well and everything so I, uh, we talked about it and decided, you know, well, there's probably no better time than now because I mean, I'm already in my, you know, late 30s. So, mm-hmm. and our, our daughter graduated high school. So there was a little less things to worry about in that mm-hmm. sense. So I kind of just went full in at that point. And, uh, I mean, that was, that was about 10 years ago almost. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I've just been doing it full time since then. That's that. Oh, that's really nice. Um, it is neat. Mm-hmm. So, Kelly, um, now, correct me if I'm wrong, was the cabinet, like, your first paid professional job? Or was there anything else? Uh, well, I mean, no, because it, uh, I mean, me and a, a buddy, my buddy Christian Sager, who wrote it, uh, we just decided he asked if I wanted to do this. We did. And we worked out, we worked out like uh, a thing like with, he, he would run the Kickstarter. And I, I, at this point, I think this was like the first I had even heard of Kickstarter. Mm-hmm, yeah. And uh, like, I, I, I don't remember. I think, I think I took like $30 a page or something, <laughs> but uh, like, it, it was my first, like, what felt like a professional like, mm-hmm. job and okay. stuff, and and the quality of it and everything. Like, uh, my first, I, I guess, quote unquote, pro like yeah. type gig was actually, uh, um, uh, uh, eerie. Uh, I, I drew a story written by. Um, uh, Justin Jordan in an issue at Erie. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, that was the first thing I did that was like for a publisher, like yes. work for hire kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, that felt like starting at the top of the tower. So I, I was like, <laughs> I don't really know what to do now because this is like the thing I felt like you aspire to get to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to ask you, how cool was it to see your name on that eerie issue? It was very cool. Mm-hmm. It was incredibly cool. I, uh, I think about it a little bit now, and I think about how, I mean, I'm just a grumpy person, and, like, I, I, it, the industry in general makes me grumpy, mm-hmm. but, uh, but I still love comics, and I still love doing it, and, like, and I think I went through a little time period where I was like, I don't care about that so much, you know? Mm-hmm. But uh, recently, you know, I just recently moved and uh, I found, I, I didn't think I had any copies of that left. And I found a couple and it was kind of cool. Like looking at it again and being like, this is rad. You know, this is like, it's, I mean, it's eerie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. That's super cool, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, Ivy, what was your first paid professional job in, in comics? Um, 
Well, I mean, we were paid something for archive quality. We were paid in advance, and, and I received royalties on that. Um, but as far as like a work for hire type of thing, it's actually probably the Secret Garden. Oh. Um, because between archival quality and, and that, mm -hmm. I was just doing like a couple of little anthology things. So mm -hmm. I wasn't doing any kind of work for hire. So yeah, but it feels like that's very recent, but I actually like signed that contract over two years ago. So mm -hmm. it's actually, you know, a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, how cool was it to see your name on something? And, you know. Very cool. Mm -hmm. So archival quality, the, the month archival quality was published, there was a devastating fire in our apartment building. And my now husband and I had to evacuate and they thought that we were never going to be able to go back in and get our stuff because the building was structurally unsound. Mm -hmm. We were living with a friend and I was supposed to go to Emerald City Comic Con. Yeah. Like, the week after this happened oh, mm -hmm. to promote archival quality. Yes. So um, I remember that, so we we're staying like 30 miles from where our apartment was with friends. Yes. Mm -hmm. And the week it came out, it was like, can we go to like a Barnes and Noble and just like see if they have it? Yeah. And we went in and it was there. And I was like, okay, everything is garbage right now. Yeah. But like seeing my book in a Barnes and Noble is like, kind of insane and it's sort of undoing the fact that I don't know if I'm ever going to go home again. Um, we did eventually. Oh, no, yeah. Home. <laughs> but it's just kind of like, it's just to have that little, um, it's like that little sunshine in the darkness. You, you know? Yeah. <laughs> the timing actually, I thought it was bad timing, but I think the timing couldn't have been more perfect actually. Yeah, that's kind of perfect timing actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, but I'm, I'm sorry about what happened. <laughs> it was years ago, but I was like, I'm just. Yeah, and then later it turned out to be an arson. It was wild. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. I, I am joking on this part. Kelly and Ivy, I'm joking. Please don't take this wrong way. Okay, so listeners, this is a comic book podcast. This is not a. This is not a crime podcast about murder or arson. It could be. We could pivot. But no, I'm going to stick to the game plan. <laughs> okay. All right. So I'm going to ask, how did you guys meet? And how long have you guys known each other? Ivy, I'm going to start off with you first. Or Kelly, you want to start? Well, you, you, uh, I mean, go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were put together by by Mad Cave, mm -hmm. um, and until that point, I did not know Kelly other than knowing of him on Twitter as Nacho Man Sandy Cabbage. <laughs> In fact, when Steens is like the artist on this book is going to be Kelly Williams, I was like, "Who?" And she was like, "This person." And I was like, "Oh, Nacho Man Sandy Cabbage. This stuff is really cool." <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm real good at branding. Uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, I know his stuff. Um, so yeah, we got put together by Mad Cave for this. So they reached out to me. And at that point, um, I think that they had already actually gotten Kelly on board. I think I was brought on after. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. And that, Kelly, I'm gonna, I'll ask you the follow-up question. How long have you guys known each other? Because, you know, since Mad Cave put you guys together, because I, I, you know, like, when did they put you guys together, team you guys up? Well, uh, I, I guess, well, I guess it's probably been almost two years now. I, is that right? Yeah, it was right at the beginning of the pandemic, I remember. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. oh. Yeah, I mean, we, uh, Mad Cave. <laughs> Mad Cave. <laughs> They brought us together. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This next question, whoever wants to answer this. Okay. So what is the premise, you know, for our listeners, what is the premise um, of Bountiful Garden? I've got my elevator, my elevator pitch for this has gotten pretty good at this point. Okay. <laughs> I think I've had, I've had to pivot because I had another book come out. But um, 
So Bountiful Guardian follows a teenage crew of scientists who are on a terraforming mission. Mm-hmm. Um, they are stopped mysteriously and awoken from cryosleep 10 years early. And they don't know what stalled their ship, but they find themselves stuck over an alien planet that's not on any of their maps. Mm-hmm. So they have to split the crew, half go to the planet to try and figure out what stalled them, and half stay on board uh, to determine how to fix the ship. But mm-hmm. both find uh, that something far more sinister is lurking mm-hmm. in the darkness. Kelly, I'm going to ask, do you want to add anything to that? Uh, no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I am not a very good salesman. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. And then, um, I'm going to ask, like, how did this story come about? I know, like you said, Mad Cave just threw you guys together, but how did, how did the story come up? And uh, Kelly, I'm going to start with you first, because I know Ivy said that kind of like Mad Cave brought you on first. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. They, they, uh, reached out to me. Um, which I was a little surprised when they first started talking to me about it and I was like, you know, who's writing? And they were like, oh, I don't know yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> um, but uh, it was only like a couple, I think it was just like a week or two after that that they told me it would be Ivy. But uh, um, yeah, they they reached out to me and then they put me with uh, with Steens and like uh, that's, that's it really I mean they um, they they gave us like they gave us this like bare minimum kind of like mm-hmm. this is the overall gist of what we want to do with this mm-hmm. and then they kind of just said so do this with that and get us get us to this you know and uh and then that's where ivy came in and like very uh professionally uh got them from to to where they wanted to be with it it, it was yeah, weird though because it was the first time I, I i've personally ever worked like that mm-hmm. like where like i'm like yeah let's do it based on them going okay so like you know they're, they're kids Mm-hmm. And they're in space. Mm-hmm. Huh? Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that was basically it. It was a, maybe like a two-sentence prompt. And uh-huh. in fact, when Steens first approached me, they were sort of like, uh, I think you'd be a good fit for this thing. I'll try to get you more information. It's like, kids in space. Okay. So, you know, yeah, it was a very loose prompt and then and we got to build it, which was cool because even though it was a work for hire gig, it feels more creator owned to me because we got to do so much of the developmental work. So mm-hmm. I was very invested oh. in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because um, um, I'm just going to jump around a little bit because because Ivy, I'm going to ask you, because I read issue two, I read the back matter. I'm not going to, I'm not going to spoil it for the read. You know, I'd rather have the readers, the listeners read it. But I want to ask what novels or short stories uh, inspired you to take this two sentence idea and run with it? So, yeah, I've talked a lot when we've talked about this, about Bradbury's The Long Rain, mm-hmm. which yes. was one of the primary things that I thought of um, and really like a lot of sci-fi from that area, that era was, was really formative to this. And then also thinking about like mythos fiction, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think there's a really interesting opportunity to kind of reclaim mythos fiction from its fairly <laughs> racist origins yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. like, you know, make cool cosmic horror. Yes. Um, I thought about like Robert W. Chambers and, you know, like Lovecraft and Robert E. Howard and all these like kind of pulpy era mm-hmm. um, writers who are doing sort of like, you know, cosmic horror. Back when you could make horror be like, there's something and it's just really big. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of all you had to do. Like, you didn't really even have to describe it. I mean, Lovecraft had an entire story that was just about a color that people saw that was like, well, it's 
it's too much. Um, was so that, oh, no, correct me if I'm wrong. Was that the was that that Nicolas Cage movie, The Color of Space? Colorado Space. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see the movie actually. I've been recommended it a bunch of times. Um, it's good. I, really? Okay. I want to see like, it. I'm like, how could you adapt this into like a movie? But you know, I mean, it was definitely an era where you could make like the thing that's scary be sort of big and vague and unknowable and I really liked that concept for mm -hmm. this because I think that if it had come down to like it's teens fighting aliens that mm -hmm. like I would have been like this is fun but I don't think I'm doing anything like that interesting with it and then knowing Kelly's artwork mm -hmm. before we started working I was like I feel like this dude could run with something big and weird and unknowable which he did yeah. so it worked yeah. out well. So um kelly i'm gonna ask you um what visual mediums inspired you to to tell this story um i uh you know i i there's i think most of it's pretty like you know on the surface obvious type stuff you know like alien mm -hmm. yeah um event horizon was something that i thought about a lot and uh and like the the dead space games like were like the main kind of things that came to mind when i first started thinking about it um and i also like i i i kind of feel like uh whether this is is a good way to think about it or not i'm not sure but like I feel like sometimes things are like overly complicated for the sake of being overly complicated yeah. with like, uh, like how they're drawn and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So like, I, uh, I wanted to like keep it simple, but I also wanted it to be dirty. Like I, I, I hate that about like a lot of sci-fi and everything's clean and antiseptic and just like, yeah you know, perfect. And I'm like, you know, it doesn't, it shouldn't be like, like this is a scenario in which I feel like it shouldn't be because I mean, you're spending years on this ship mm -hmm. that's like for all intent and purposes lost in space Yes, mm -hmm. and, uh, and ends up at a planet that like, I mean, I, I guess that was part of my thinking is I didn't want, uh, I didn't want to have like the expected contrast of like, here's this sleek, shiny ship. Mm -hmm. And then down on, you know, the ground, it's all craggy and ragged and, mm -hmm. you know, and you just have those like two separate worlds. Like yes. I, I felt like I wanted the ship to kind of have the same, I guess, atmospheric mm -hmm. kind of like, vibe to it a little bit so you know like i said it, most of the the influences are and i mean i think that goes across the board like visually and just like in the story it's, itself and everything mm -hmm. a lot of the influence are like on the surface like i i don't think there's any kind of super trying to be clever and hide it like i think we we very much wanted it like out there when we were making it yeah um i just want to comment because i read the first two issues you know kelly i love the opening page on issue one just the panels like the first panel i think there's nothing you see the words second panel you see these like vine or tendrils start slowly creeping on and by the third panel it's getting it's growing thicker and thicker i just love it um thank you and the world and then you know like how you talk about the Gemis and correct me if I'm wrong, the Jemison spaceship? Is that the name of the spaceship? Yep. Yep. So to me, it looks like a cross, actually it looks like a cross between the Sulaco from Aliens and a little bit about and a little bit of the ship from Event Horizon. I I, I could be wrong on yeah. that. Okay, all right. <laughs> um, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and then Kelly, the other thing I love about your art too is that the world looks lived in. It's like you said, and um, you know, it just looks lived in. It looks dirty. It looks, it looks gritty. 
um, you know, um, and then I'm going to lead to this next question is, do you guys want to give a shout out to anyone else on your creative team? You know, well, everybody. Yeah, yeah everyone killed it. <laughs> like, 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 yeah, yeah. I want to give a shout out to like, who is your colorist, the letterers and who? who um, the, the colorist, uh, Giorgio Spalletta, I think is how you say his last name. Uh, it, this is also, this book for me was um, somewhat new experience in that usually um, I, I color myself mm -hmm. um, and a lot of times like I do watercolor for all of the, uh, even the interior stuff. But uh, so, I mean, I've worked with colorists before and because I do ink washes, like the gray tones and all of that, like, you know, it, sometimes somebody may be an amazing colorist, but sometimes you may not just jive well, like, you know, the, the styles don't mix well and stuff. Um, so I, I'm always a little nervous about that, but uh, when, uh, when Giorgio came on and I saw uh, his first like test pages, I was like, okay, you know, this is perfect. Cause he, uh, he kept it simple, mm -hmm. but uh, he, he did a good job. Like he did an amazing job actually, like working with all of the, uh, all the gray washes and everything and just kind of, kind of bringing that, that, that feel for, it. in fact, like a real testament to his, uh, how good the work he did on it is, is I've seen like people talk about the coloring more than I've seen them talk about anything else. And, uh, and uh, uh, I even remember specifically seeing somebody like in a video talking about how it was watercolor. Like the, the book is like, actually done in watercolor which it's not mm -hmm. but uh but he did such a good job working with what i put on the page mm -hmm. that like it sold that look for you know people and i mean that's pretty amazing yeah and then yeah, ivy i'm gonna I mean, ask do you want to give oh sorry did you want to add anything ivy sorry Oh, no, just, I mean, Georgia did an amazing job. And then I was going to also shout out our letterer, Justin Birch. Mm -hmm. As a writer, like, when you write comics, like, you are working in tandem with the letterer, mm -hmm. you know, and you have to set them up. And then I feel like Justin just really ran with it. Like, I gave a lot of notes in the script about, like, you know, this is loud or this is quiet or this, like, you mm -hmm. know, this person is you know, in having some kind of cognitive dissonance and like you really played with the letter form a lot in it, especially for sort of the creepy cosmic, like detached voices in a yes. way that I thought was super cool. Mm -hmm. um, it was really like a great team experience, you mm -hmm. know, and then Steen's our editor is just like a phenomenal project manager. <laughs> so like- The best. <laughs> the best. <laughs> You're a project manager, everything I worked on, but like, it was everybody I feel like brought their a game like there was no part where I was like this is like every new thing that came in that I saw I was like this is awesome like yeah. there was never mm -hmm. a moment mm -hmm. where I didn't think everybody was like not firing at all cylinders mm -hmm. okay that's pretty cool um I'm gonna start slowly wrapping things up one more question I want to ask about the book actually um is and it's for both you guys can, I'm just I'm just asking you know, why did why did you guys use um, teenagers as the space crew for this mission? I know in issue two, um, Mar Marnie I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly kind of gave a gave a little blurb of why. But can I ask like yeah why did why did you guys use teenagers as a space crew? So that was part of the like two-sentence prompt that, that we got. <laughs> um, but they told the us thing to. Is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They told, yeah, we couldn't not. To be fair, it was just said like young people. I think that actually originally right. they were supposed to actually maybe be slightly younger. And yeah. I was like, nah, teens. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm good with like sending kids off to <laughs> die in space. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but 
the other thing that I thought was cool, though, once I was working within the prompt, and part of why I was excited about the prompt is I think that, you know, teenagers are really emotionally volatile. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you're in a situation, a sort of, uh, you know, the thing-esque trapped together situation, you have to count on somebody being rational and reasonable and with teenagers it's just like it's not gonna happen Mm -hmm. so you know I I it gave me a lot to play with as a writer sort of like you know their emotional volatility and their insecurity and Mm -hmm. you know when you're that age like this you're a raw nerve and then mm-hmm. this horrible thing has happened to them on top of it so you know it ended up I think I can't imagine the book with adults mm-hmm. anymore mm-hmm. um like I feel like it works well with them as kids but it's also like they are you know these like super geniuses who have basically been trained since birth to go and do this so you know there's an interesting play between like them having to kind of assume adulthood but still be kids you know and they're scared Mm -hmm. that's yeah that's that's a very good i didn't realize that that you know that they're kind of like pushed into this adult role um Mm -hmm. because i love i also like the uh the the practical idea of they're being sent like light years like away and to start something for uh you know a new civilization and stuff and the idea that they're part of the reasoning for setting kids could be that i mean you got to get them out there young or else you know you don't want a bunch of you know 70 year olds showing up to start terraforming and stuff so that's right because um i mean it's, it's not a spoiler in the first issue but they're um they're their sleeping pods activate and one of one of them said how come we're up we're supposed you know we're supposed to be still 10 years in stasis so that means they would be like in their early 20s or mid 20s when they're supposed to reach their new civilization or new world to start something yeah that makes sense yeah <laughs> so, okay. um i'm gonna ask before I start wrapping things up, do you guys want to add anything else um, regarding Bountiful Garden? No, I mean, this, this is a good conversation. I don't feel I have anything else to add. <laughs> uh, go buy it. That's all I got. Yeah, yeah, I should say that. <laughs> do continue to, to read it and buy the trade when it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now... Um, now, if you guys can talk about it, what new projects do you guys have coming out? Ivy, I'm going to start with you because I think you're, you're, one of your projects is already out already, correct? Yeah, I um. So, in sharp contrast to my scary story about teenagers in space, I also write very pleasant uh, YA middle grade graphic novels. Uh, one of which released this week, um, Secret Garden on 81st Street came out on Tuesdays, like pretty much a week ago, um, with Little Brown for Young Readers, and I'm doing another one with them that comes out in March of 2022, which is uh, Anne of West Philly, which is a retelling of Anne of Green Gables. Um, I think that's, I did some essays for uh, a book from Crunchyroll that's coming out next year, that was really fun. Um <laughs> I wrote two essays for the Crunchyroll Book of Essential Anime. I got to do the one on Sailor Moon, and I was obsessed with Sailor Moon as <laughs> youth. And I'm going to say that like I'm not still, and I'm not looking at a bunch of Sailor Moon figures directly to the right of my computer. <laughs> um, so it was pretty cool to get to, to write like the essay on Sailor Moon. <laughs> Real quickly before I move on to Kelly about if he has any upcoming projects, I'm just going to ask this funny off-the-wall question any crossover between bountiful gardens and the secret garden in the future (laughs) (laughs) this was just like a really weird coincidence that they came out at the same time in fact they were originally supposed to have the same pub date and i'm really glad that one of them moved so was that so i'm gonna say was that so was both of them supposed to come out on september 8th they were they were both supposed to come out in september originally 
Bountiful Garden was supposed to come out on the 28th and Secret Garden was supposed to come out on the 28th. Bountiful Garden moved up, Secret Garden moved out, oh. which I was uh, really glad for because I was like, I don't know how to promote two titles that come out on the same day with really similar names. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kelly, I'm going to ask, do you have any upcoming projects that you can talk about? Hey, uh, I do. Um, I'm working on uh, finishing up uh, a series, another five-issue series uh, with uh, Joe Sarecki, the 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 writer from A Letter to Joe. Um, mm -hmm. We're uh, doing a story that's sort of a sort of a modern uh, take on uh, Don Quixote. Um, it's called. Uh, I have to, to read it because I can never remember. The Life and Death of the Brave Captain Suave. Um, it, uh, it, it'll be coming out from Scout uh, first part of next year. Like I'm almost, almost wrapping it up. Um, and uh, uh, there's some other stuff, but I, I honestly have no idea if I'm supposed to talk about it or not. So. Yeah. Publishing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You never know. <laughs> okay. Um, couple of fun questions. Um, so, um, whoever wants to start off first, favorite convention moment, as a, either as a fan or as a creator? So, I think mine is Emerald City Comic Con 2018, I think. Mm -hmm. It might have been 2018. Um, I was walking through Artist Alley and Jaime Hernandez was behind his table with like no line. And like I said, I grew up reading Love and Rockets and I was a huge Love and Rockets fan. He's also like possibly my favorite comic book artist of all time. <laughs> um, and I was like, oh my God, I grew up reading your books and like I, I'm a huge fan. Like it's very rare that I really dork out at somebody like that but I was like a very flustered and he indicated that it made him feel old that I a 30, 30 something was sitting and grew up reading his books and then uh did a sketch for me of Hopi um just like sketched off a Hopi for me really quickly and I still have it and I was like this is, incredible. This is like I can't believe this is real life <laughs> But that's pretty that's cool. Pretty great. That's pretty cool that you got him at the right time. Like you said, there's yeah. no line. There's like nobody there. He's just yeah. like sitting there. And I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Kelly, what about you? Oh, I I don't know. Um I I think I kneecap myself on that stuff because I don't talk to people and uh I'm I'm very self conscious about going up to people I'm a fan of and being like, hey, mm -hmm. I'm a fan, you know. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like if I don't have something to say, I just yeah, I'm super uncomfortable and I just don't. Um, and and I regret that sometimes. Uh, like, I uh, had multiple opportunities to meet Bernie Wrightson and chickened out every single time, and. Uh, the closest I ever came to talking or being, you know, in that position with him was, uh, we were eating breakfast, <laughs> like, uh, in the hotel, like at Heroes. And, uh, like we were talking about rights and being there. And, uh, and then I all of a sudden realized like he was sitting like <laughs> directly behind me, like with mm -hmm. his back to me. Yeah. And, uh, and I got super self-conscious like after I realized that. Uh-huh. And uh and I don't think I said like another word like the entire time we were there. And uh it's so weird. Like I have no idea why why I'm that bad about it, but I but I am. Uh so that's kind of you know, I, I don't really ever think about it that way. That might be my best experience just because if anything I learned that I am horribly like that <laughs> <And> like... <laughs> but the main he came 
but at least you're close to him. You know, I mean, that's, you know. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it, it sucks because, like, you know, he's supposed to be, like, one of the nicest people, like, on the planet. I've heard. And yeah. I'm just like, I don't think I'm going to talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, Kelly, I'm going to start off with you. Next convention appearance. Uh, well, my next one actually is most likely going to be uh, uh, Air Capital Comic Con in Wichita, Kansas. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a smaller show, and I'm friends with the, the people that run it. So I, I kind of do it every year, and uh, since they're doing it this year, I'm kind of treating it as my uh, building up my... Uh, confidence uh before doing c2e2 in december oh so mm-hmm. yeah those are my next shows so the, um the one in wichita what dates are those if you don't mind the what dates are that that convention you're going to oh yeah i know i just uh i i don't know oh okay oh, okay sorry <laughs> it's in november uh i can't remember the exact dates i want to say in the 20s somewhere like the okay. middle of the month all right. All right. But the important question, are you going to cosplay as a hot dog? <laughs> Most likely, yes. Okay. <laughs> I will probably wear it on the plane and the rest of the time. <laughs> um, Ivy, what is your next convention appearance? I don't have any planned. Um, I wasn't vibing with it during the the panorama mm-hmm. um and so i didn't i didn't hop on any of the the um like read shows that are happening across the winter mm-hmm. but i suspect i will be back at it in 2022 yeah provided mm-hmm. that things don't take another weird catastrophic turn that we don't expect <laughs> right i should say that i i'm only doing them as long as things look okay mm-hmm. like yeah I'm very conscious of this stuff, and if it looks like it's going a bad way leading into it, it won't yeah. take much to make me go, nope, no thank you, <laughs> I'm fine. And I've been pretty privileged in that, like, I have my, like, librarian in day job, so I don't have the same, like, for folks who are full-time artists, here's been brutal, and so, like, I don't judge anybody for doing them, I just was like, I'm gonna pass this. Yeah, year. right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Last fun question. Actually, pretty much the last um, last fun question. Have you guys been to Hawaii? I've never been to Hawaii. I've never been like anywhere. It's the curse of the Philadelphian. <laughs> <laughs> you leave Philly and bad stuff happens. <laughs> like that always sunny episode is accurate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kelly, what about you? Have you and your family been to Hawaii? Have not. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, hopefully, well, we. I'm going to let you guys know we do have conventions out here. Um, yeah, I'm going to say. Um, um, I think in uh, 2014, 2015, um, the Amazing Comic Con took a chance and started to have a comic book convention out here. Because I'm, I'm going to be, because I was kind of surprised that, you know, like, um, we've never had major comic book conventions in the 90s or in the 2000s, you know, because this is it's kind of surprising. Yeah. But, but I'm also wondering, too, I'm wondering if it's because part of it is, I'm wondering if it's also the high cost of things of trying to bring things down and so forth. I, that may play into a role into it. So, yeah. But, oh, okay. Well, yeah. Well, hopefully if any local Hawaii local convention people are listening to this episode, Ivy and Kelly are are, are open to come down, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, please invite me. I would love to go. Y'all have amazing <laughs> yeah, food. Like I would love to come and eat a bunch of wine food and I guess I can sign books while I'm there also. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. So, um I'm going to, um, last question. Any last words to our listeners? Ivy, I'm going to start off with you first. Yeah, I mean, thank you 
for having us. And then, you know, thank you uh, folks for supporting Bountiful Garden. It's been really cool to see their response and see people liking it. And, you know, it's, there's, you know, when you make comics, you do it so people will read them. So it's nice to see people actually reading it. Kelly, any last words? Uh, just the same. Thanks for having us. Uh, thanks, thanks for listening to the ramblings. Um, and uh, I'll just echo the same sentiment. Uh, thanks to everybody that's checking out the book. And, uh, you know, I hope you uh, continue to enjoy it in its uh, fullest. And, uh, you know, um, wear masks, get vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I echo that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> be, be smart. <laughs> oh, because I want to go back to conventions. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. All right. So Ivy and Kelly, you know, I wish you guys all the success for Bountiful Garden. Um, and Ivy and Kelly, you know, mahalo. Thank you in Hawaiian for your time. You know, thank you for giving me the opportunity to interview you guys. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for having us. And then, and I also want to thank Allison Marie Pond again. You know, um, she's the marketing director of Mad Cave Studios. You know, thank you again, Allison, for help setting up this interview and providing me with an advanced copy of Bountiful Garden. Thank you very much. Um, If you are a new reader to comics or a lifelong fan of comics, please check out Bountiful Garden from Mad Cave Studios. The first two issues are already out. Issue number three comes out on November 17th. The diamond code is SEP211631. And also, too, you know, check out Deadbeats Volume 1 and um, Deadbeats Lending Calling Trade. Those are out already um, in stores already. And also, too, um, The Secret Garden on 81st Street. Please check that out, that out as well. Um, I, you know, and I want to thank Drew, the Coles, the Comics for Fun and Profit for putting this episode together. Drew, thank you for all your hard work behind the scenes. Thank you very much. Um, if you are a new listener, please check out new episodes for Comics for Fun and Profit that comes out every Saturday. Um, Kyle and Drew, they do spec picks on upcoming, um, you know, on the uh, upcoming um, releases. And I want to thank you, the listener. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening to this episode. Until next time, guys, aloha. Aloha.